Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So it's all about the Rossies this morning, Keen. What scenes? Absolutely fantastic stuff. A pitch invasion in Castle Bar. They hadn't done it for donkey's years. Well, I say donkey's years, 30-something years. And then beat Mayo. And it was scenes like they'd won a Connacht final. Now, you'll forgive them for that. Like, I mean, oh, it's, yeah, in a way, it, it's a way it, win like that in, it, in Castle Bar. It's the type of game and the type of win on a wet day, hard yeah. fought. I mean, Proper it, championship, wasn't yeah. it? Like, uh, well, when Mead beat Kildare in the league, there could have been a pitch invasion because of the nature of the game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, winning, winning a game by a narrow margin and winning it late and against all odds. So... Look, fair play to them. It was great to see it. It was absolutely great to see it. And there was a bit of kind of argy-bargy going in off the field. And do you know what it felt like? I know there's the qualifiers. I know we've talked about before that a lot of these matches don't have that do or die. But this did. Because Roscommon hadn't beaten Mayo in so long. And Mayo could not afford to go down the qualifier route. They didn't want to. They wanted to regain their dominance in Connacht. So it had that feel of an all or nothing kind of game about it, didn't it? Yeah, well, look, it was a, it was a proper match between two, I suppose, two Division One teams. I know Roscommon are relegated on this year's form. But yeah. two teams that are reasonably evenly matched and capable of beating each other in a, in a, in a contest. And... You know, yeah, they play a good brand of football. We'll talk about yeah, that in the do, second yeah. half. Both, both of them contributed do, yeah. contributed to that, and I think Anthony Cunningham, with a hurling background, deserves a huge amount of credit for that for the style of football he has them playing. The easy thing for a hurling man would to go down the uh, Rory Gallagher poacher route, or you go on back now and wait there, and when they come up, you know. But he's not doing that. He's not doing that at all. He's make he's a nice bl- he's a nice blend 
of it but I thought it was interesting with Damien Lawler interviewing Sean or Connor Cox after the game who's an outstanding player by the way just yeah, very getting good. shots off there like I mean uh, incredible we'll talk about him performance of the weekend but Lawler was going for this emotive kind of question and he often says it and yet often compare it to kind of X Factor interviews like what does this mean to you like it that, that, I have no interest in those type of questions I've been a sideline reporter long enough but he was he was out it was a leading question he says Connor since your move from Kerry could you have envisioned anything like this you know he wanted Connor to say Jesus this is unbelievable I never thought we might and Connor uh, Cox replied to be honest I suppose I could yeah like I, he said Roscommon are division one team yeah like this is not a surprise to us that we've come here we almost beat them in the league here like it was, yeah, you know and, and he, gave, put, he gave him the, the answer the question deserved absolutely and, and I suppose it was the response of a man uh, with confidence in himself and he did I gave a good interview yeah. then you know, and look, fair play to him because, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I can't believe a dream yeah. come true. But that would have been, been pushed down that road. Yeah, but also that would have been nonsense from his perspective as well. Yeah. And everyone has seen through it. So a bit of honesty in a post-match interview. Very wow, good. Very and good. Impressed me with his confidence um, because he wouldn't have probably done... Now, not many people are watching on Sky, but I wouldn't think that came into his head. It's video, uh, TV cameras in front of him. The easy thing to do would have been just go, oh God, it's, and it's just unbelievable. And then the fans came out and uh, I never thought, he just didn't. He yeah. went, no, no. We, we, yeah, we, I'm good enough. I've played against Mayo and I've kicked loads of scores against him before, so why wouldn't I do it again? <laughs> exactly. So you that's know. fantastic. The miss free by um, McLaughlin. Jeez, that was an easy free now, Keane. That was an easy free. Yeah, it's... At He's that not le- much of a free taker, McLaughlin. He does miss easy ones and can get good ones. Yeah, to be fair, I, I would have backed him, but it was it was fairly obvious. Bef- well, now, on the on the day, I wouldn't have because of his body language. The fact that Dermot O'Connor pulled rank and called him over. Conor Loftus wanted to take that free. Right. Conor Loftus was going over to take the ball. Dermot O'Connor, the captain, said, no, called over Kevin McLaughlin. If you're a free taker and the, a free is given, if you want it, you're on the move early. You're not waiting to be called over. Well, that's true, so yeah. So Kevin McLaughlin did not want to kick it. And to be honest, when a guy doesn't want to take a free, don't give it to him because he's, generally speaking, they miss. There's a reason they don't want to kick it. They've they've a, a lack of confidence. Maybe McLaughlin just hasn't been kicking well or he didn't have a great game. So he didn't want it. Loftus is coming on trying to, you know, make an impression. He wanted it. Right, so that doesn't. I make would have let sense. him take it. Yeah, you know? definitely. I didn't see. I didn't see Loftus looking but, for it. But also, to be fair, maybe you'd say Loftus should have should have pulled the ball off Dermot O'Connor. But then again, there's the hierarchy in a team. Yeah. Dermot O'Connor is the captain. He's making a call. What he thinks is the best call for the team. I trust Kevin McLaughlin. Kevin, I trust you to kick it. Don't be shying away from it. You're well able to kick it, but. Yeah, I don't know. And the Killian, if Dermot O'Connor w- should have just beckoned to the sideline, or they had their five subs on at that stage, like Killian O'Connor is a strange one. He, look, obviously we don't know the, the ins and outs. You'd imagine if Killian O'Connor, because Freeze hadn't been going brilliantly for them, that if he was in any way fit, he would have been good enough to command there. Or bring back, bring, bring Evan Regan back on. Yeah, even bring him back on for that one free. But then look, Kevin McLaughlin took freeze for a full season. Oh yeah, I, you I, know it's not like he's, he's never. He's well taken capable him. of kicking them. Yeah. It was just seemed to me that on the day. For whatever reason, he just didn't look no, like he, he had didn't. the belief in himself he to didn't. get it. He and didn't. that that's the type of kick it was in the end. It was a tentative one, yeah, definitely. Yeah. An incredible stat, two stats. One's an incredible stat that's relevant and another that isn't. Only three players, and Early said this at the start in the co-com, and I didn't believe him until I cross-referenced the, the two teams. Three Roscommon starters on Saturday night started last year's Connacht final against Galway. Three! Isn't that an incredible, incredible turnover? Only David Murray, Tiger O'Rourke and Niall Kilroy 
started yeah, last year's final. That's very really incredible. All that. five subs started last year's final and they got they gave them a great kick. But he's picked but a it's different eight, eight of twenty or twenty one players. Unbelievable. Like that's, that's a huge turnover. Unbelievable. But three starters. Yeah. That is absolutely incredible what Ross Common are after doing to be able to do that. So fair play to them and we'll talk more about that in part two. Sean McGoldrick had a tweet which is a bit more of a useless stat but still it's a weird one. Remarkably on the last three occasions May have won the National League 2019, 2001, 1970 they have lost to Ross Common in the subsequent Connacht Championship. So there's a good one. And Conor Cox's father The curse, it's the curse. (laughs) Conor Cox's father was on the last time that they was on the Roscommon team, the last time they won, and then his son played so well against uh, Mayo on Saturday night. So all these things, sometimes you wonder, are written in the stars. Uh, Longford Kildare uh, played out an absolute classic, 40 scores, 90 minutes. Um, absolutely unbelievable game that I left Tullamore and went home to watch Wexford and Galloway in the hurling, which was an absolute shite match. And I watched a shite match in... Tullamore between Leash and Westmead we'll talk a little bit about that in part two deplorable standard of football and I watched another shite one in a Moore Park between Mead and Carlo so I haven't done I didn't do too well in fairness the call to, to not watch Loud and Dublin and go home and watch Mayo Roscommon at least that was one of my good calls um, this weekend but Keen O'Neill is asking the public to stick with us he said no one's more disappointed with us stick with us Last year would have been very easy to walk away and desert us after Carlo and look how great a journey we're on. Something not quite right about Kildare. Uh, Longford decimated, missing eight starters from last year. We know all the starters gone. Rian Brady, Robbie Smith, like their scorers. They were missing just so many players. Kildare outscored Longford 1-8 to a point between 21st minute and 40 sec- 42nd minute. Then only scored two points kind of after that now I know they were against against the wind Longford were 7 down in the 42nd minute and real Kildare in I don't know Kildare almost caught by Wicklow they're sitting ducks really Kildare like I mean in a way you wonder doesn't, it doesn't look great for them to be yeah. honest at the minute um, you would uh, look it's very hard to know these games can ebb and flow and against the breeze and Longford do have a lot of quality but it's a bit of a meltdown to be that far ahead and to not see the game out. Yeah, yeah. For, for a team, uh, you know, that's on the road with Super their manager standard. is long. Yeah. Super 8 standard against Longford. You don't missing expect eight, it. Missing eight regulars. Yeah, you don't expect it. He shouldn't be, he no. shouldn't be doing it. There was a good picture of their midfielder. Uh, Gallagher. Darren Gallagher. Yeah. yeah, Darren Gallagher, who is uh, a guard. And I love pictures like that. The great, the the, the annual one is Pillar Caffrey doing, yeah, being yeah, a guard yeah. at Croke Park after finishing up. But he was... Uh, he scored two twenty two during the league. He's obviously going to America and he can't play, which we talked last Thursday being very unfair on him and shouldn't really be what the rule is about. Like Longford can't afford to be without him. He's entitled to go if he wants. It's unfair. Yeah, All it is. It's, it's is, unfortunate. The problem him. is that these fellas are deciding to go anyway. So that rule where they hoped maybe that they would prevent them from going. Um, and we were saying last Thursday what might keep them going is a club schedule during the year So because usually clubs are sitting idle all summer and they're allowing them to go so there's yeah. other w- other ways you can stop these fellas from going but he was on Garda duty outside the ground so I thought that was an interesting picture what did you make of the Mannion Paul Mannion red um, it's an interesting one in that uh, uh, first I thought there's, I thought okay, it was an unnecessary tackle from yeah. him now your man was running very fast towards him and he stood his ground now but he did put in the shoulder know, look, uh, in that instance you put your hands yeah, out Ma- really. Mannion moved towards him and buried him um, yeah. to be honest it can happen in a game I didn't think it was a red card but the normal reaction of a player there when a player is coming towards them is they open their arms up and they kind of wrap the player I and think try so. and get a turnover I think so Mannion went to hit him hard and he, uh, look at he, he was after a high ball came between him and his man it was knocked down 
didn't see the game in full so who knows maybe he's made a couple of mistakes and he was just trying to get yeah, into the game he scored two points early so Look, it, it's right. just a physical it's just a physical bang it's a foul yeah. it's a yellow card because it was probably overly aggressive it wasn't a red yeah I probably think so as well I think considering that uh, the loud number 12 his name is escaping me now he was so low you know, Mannion, his intention wasn't to get him in the head. His intention uh, was look, to hit what him. You have is, what you have is a smaller, up. lighter player, gets to the ball first, wraps his body around it, and a bigger, stronger guy comes apace and just plants him. And plants him, Like, yeah. that's, it, there's nothing much to it. Like, it's a foul. It's probably a yellow card, but it's no more than that. He didn't lead with the elbow. Look, he probably caught him slightly kind of in the chest or in the face. It wasn't a shoulder to shoulder. Um, it looked a little bit aggressive for Mannion, but having said that, I didn't think it was a red card. Like if if we're giving out red cards for those types of incidents, it wasn't that late. I mean, the ball was, yeah, it was yeah. fractionally fractionally late. late, and it was it was a guaranteed yellow. Um, probably unfortunate to get a red for that. All right, in the championship, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim Gavin wasn't happy about it. He says Paul's a strong guy. He's a big man. He's six two. Thought the loud player crouched a bit, which is what I thought as well, which didn't help him. But the loud guy got up and played on. My initial reaction is certainly it's not a red. So we'll see how that works. Um, 14,380 people went to this double header. Like I said, I went to the first one. I was just thinking about it. Why are you going to go to those two matches? Like I sat through Mead and Carlo, which was just... we. There was no shock that this was a shit game. Mead playing outside the screen, Carlo not offering much, dropping loads of players ahead of the ball, putting no pressure on Mead in Mead's half of the field. A boring, dull, shite game. So that's grand. So who, Mead knew they were going to win it. That was guaranteed. So who from Mead would be really motivated to come down to Port Leash? And uh, end up and uh, end up missing and end up, Mayo and, and Mayo end up stuck in traffic as well traffic because the Dublin lot. game was fixed for it. Like that, the Dublin that, game, yeah, it shouldn't have been a double header. If anything, the Carlo Mead game should have been in Tullamore as it was originally supposed to be. You would have got more. I say more Mead fans would have gone to that because the prospect of heading down to, with an expected bigger crowd from Dublin just turns people off. It turns people Simple off. You won't get out of there. You know you're going to win. You'll go to the next one. It's going to be a terrible, terrible game. And that's the product that's been served up. And then if you want to... That's just stay, the reality. That's the reality. Yeah. And there's no bullshit in this. There's no bullshit in this. This is all feeding into attendances. Like, I mean, there's no doubt the leash crowd yesterday was very poor. Um, you know, Westmead are a defensive team. And it's in their, it's in their heads this won't be great now to watch and there might be a better one on telly although Donegal for man it was on telly but, and then you knew Dublin were going to hammer loud the whole thing was the handicap and basically why would Dublin bother coming down they've been at games before they've got the autographs they've had their children down there and they're like I'm not going down what's the point in going down there they, the Dublin fans have kind of ticked all those boxes now you know and I think a lot of that is bringing your children there and then getting them out in the field, meeting the players, oh, and then well, you're like, "I love this one." The Dubs love to travel. Yeah, maybe because it was a novelty for a while. But if they have to travel all the time, they're not going to bother their arse. They're going to say, "Well, why isn't this game in Croker beside us?" And we get more people into it. Yeah. Well, in fairness to them, now they will travel if they thought that ha- if their support meant something. If they if they thought their team needed them, I do think they would travel. Like if they if they thought that the roar from the they know their support is an advantage and they have a lot of it that I think if they thought they were, they were under pressure they would, they would definitely go more than 14 380 Keno Sullivan uh, interestingly was cornerback because we were wondering how they were going to fit in the, Jack McCaffrey had been picked um, cornerback so Keno Sullivan played in there so that's obviously how they're going to uh, 
how they're going to manage all these good players with James McCarthy with Darren Gavin playing in midfield it looks like uh, James McCarthy might be back wing back and gives them a little bit of a selection headache and Rory O'Carroll got brought on so there's all, that's all the news out of a game I didn't see yeah well look <laughs> they've an embarrassment the riches so what, what else is there to say that's it yeah so Mickey Hart brought off Cottle McShane Peter Hart Maddie Donnelly was it five minutes into the second half? Very early anyway. Yeah, the three of them are sitting they beside were, each other. They were deadly in the first half. Deadly in the yeah, first half. I, I watched but, the first half and they were just, they were moving the, the ball so well. Here's the thing for me. Oh, there was one Peter Hart. Unbelievable crossfield crossfield ball. ball. But I'm uh, not going to lie. Those balls are always on. Because always you're, on. Being, you're being marked from the front on that side. Those balls out across there are always on. But anyways, I, I was wondering about this. Now, it's obviously the threat of injury that made him bring him off. Why not let them? kind of run them up no, together No, I, I think what you have is in a squad like Tyrone have those lads are playing all the time they, they're secure in their place they've done enough to stay stay in the team for the next for the big game if they don't give the game was over if you don't bring on McCurry McCalliskey they're already losing forwards off their panel yeah. uh, I think you have to be brought on if you're a sub there and you're not getting like 20-25 minutes you're just thinking what is the point in this commitment yeah okay that's fair enough and then I was thinking that these uh, McShane, Hart and Donnelly might have run, run about four competitive games into this kind of yeah. chemistry why not let them why don't let Hart play those balls to McShane and why not let them yeah. kind of polish this up and stuff like that so yeah I, I know, know look you, you can look at it both ways but you know sometimes you have a training match amongst yourselves and sometimes it can be right we, we're going to play 35 minutes or whatever and the first 20 minutes are brilliant and then the last 15 minutes are shite. And you just think, if we just pulled it at 20 minutes, it would have been a brilliant session. It's a bit like that for the full forward line. They were playing so well, they were linking up well, their movement was really good. It was looking so good, it was only going to get worse to the end of the game. So maybe it was a call, like there was a number of factors into it. I, I think it was a good move. Get them off, it's worked really well. We're going to be very confident in what we're doing and we'll get game time into the other guys and keep them happy. Yeah. And no, give them true. an opportunity. So look, it, it and the game was over, Woody. Ah, they're probably right, yeah. The game was over. And in fairness to Tyrone, they linked up. Looked like they were linking up an awful lot better than against Derry. Loads of, way, Loads of kicking. Yeah. Very little kicking, unless they just went out. Tyrone are a conservative team by nature, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they line up and kick. Will what they'll do against Donegal? Because we know in the last eight years these two teams are very nervous playing each other. They're conservative. They you know are, what I mean? Yeah. So you'd love to see Tyrone just go, look. And I think if Tyrone play that kicking game, Donegal will bring their kicking game too uh, uh, and we'll like, see a much yeah, better game. That's it. If, if both teams go for it, it'll be an absolute cracker. Brilliant, because yeah. it, it will actually suit both teams. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if the two of them go for it? Because let's be honest, it wasn't a great day on or it wasn't a great weekend for the Black Death uh, football so Fermanagh we know these tactics are outdated we've said it so many times Fermanagh scored 9 points Carla scored 9 points Carla lost by 15 um, Fermanagh were in the game I suppose but they're very extreme on it um, Donegal kicked long range points I was reading a stat 9 of their 13 scores came from out the thir- outside the 35 metre mark now you could argue to say that you know they're not high percentage shots but at the same time Yeah but on a, on, a, on a dry day in championship football Yeah Donegal have some very good long range point kickers with Thompson and McGee and Langan and all these fellas although I'm not sure um, if that was Langan playing I Yeah Langan, he was. Langan did yeah he, Yeah he, he was okay. playing so Donegal went full 18 minutes at the start without their opening score then score then they got uh, then they got into it a little bit and they ended up where there was a strong there was a win yeah, as like well it, so look, they, 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 they were playing against the breeze and, yeah. and look these defensive teams they're full of energy at the start full yeah. of high intensity stuff and sometimes it just takes time for that to be worn down and 
you know, the longer the game went on, the more it was just Donegal pulling away, and they could have won by a lot more. Like McBrearty flicked the ball over the bar when he was played through. If he needed to, he could have gone for a goal. A couple of incidents like that where if Donegal were really pressed, they probably could have gone for another pass and 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 threatened the goal. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So Carlo, uh, obviously, were deplorable really against me. They rallied. They went four points to nothing down. Um, Broderick went off. So he wasn't making much difference anyway, but I think he was injured. And then they rallied to get it to 4-3. Then Mead uh, kind of, they scored two goals for half-time. That was the end of it then. So like, I mean, they never really were in the game. They never had a chance. Then again, it is a team promoted to Division 1 against a team relegated to Division 4. So there's no surprises here. They were beaten by 15 points. Um, those tactics can't win games because Mead like I said last Thursday, have plenty of experience playing against defensive teams. They've showed that in Navin against Tyrone. They wouldn't give them turnovers. When they gave them turnovers, they tracked like demons. They got the ball back and Carlo had yeah. nothing up front. Just, you just can't yeah, win. You can't win against tactically smart teams anymore with those tactics. No, they're and, done, uh, they're done, they're gone. They are gone. And Mead have been playing against defensive Mead have beaten Fermanagh already in the league as yeah, well so they've, they've, yeah. and they played Fermanagh last year as and well. they so played they, it so Mead played it well it's boring to watch it's horrible they, to look they at they just yeah. avoided contact at all times they shipped it off over always back. had loads of cover behind the, behind the lines like Mead were never going to get caught on a counter attack because they always had three or four yeah. spare and defenders Menton's actually very good in a game like that very he's good it, he's very, very good. good he's good because in that he, loose yeah, play he, he drives as a late runner yeah. he's, he's an accurate shooter yeah. and he can score from distance so I mean he's he's a huge weapon and and uh, look, realistically, like it was a surprise. Like, I mean, to leave, to not have Donald, to just allow Donald Keoghan to be raiding forward up the field for the whole game. I mean, it's just mad, yeah. mad stuff. You wouldn't yeah. do it. Like, you, if, if anything, if you're going back into your shell, you make sure that you tag certain runners rather than going completely zone. Because yeah. some guys, you don't really have to track them too hard. You can just pick them up when they come into a zone. But other guys need to be followed yeah. all the time the day of re- the day of retreating off your man waiting inside your 45 and offering them free pass up to your 45 that is so old and basic that I can't believe teams like Fermanagh and Carlo are still doing it like it's poxy to watch we all know that it gets you no results anymore it got Carlo a result last year against Kildare who look, the, let's be honest Kildare nearly got caught by Wicklow and, yeah, look, and Longford the, the great ambush worked at one point in time teams are aware of it now and, and even to play that way it, it, I can understand it as a tactic but you need to have probably two brilliant big ball winning forwards that yeah. can score points yeah. and can score frees and kick from distance like Fermanagh end up with their cornerbacks coming forward shooting on their bad foot and they were the same against Mead they kicked a load of wide against, wides against Mead in the league because they, they've the wrong guy shooting because they don't actually have any players with kicking ability really on the pitch no. bar a couple of guys and they spend all their time tracking runners and playing around the middle when they need to be higher up the yeah. field and incredibly Westmead yesterday had forwards that could score but their tactics were absolutely bizarre we'll talk about that a little bit in in part two but Carlo's discipline went completely so Sean Murphy who the few Carlo lads behind me his nickname is Choo Choo so for obvious reasons he was their best player by a mile and he always is uh, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a great, great player he's great really, fire yeah. in his belly he's great pace and it's nearly too obvious that they're constantly looking for him running late and he's got great heart in him and he's just an outstanding player and he would walk onto any team in the country he hit um, Keoghan uh, was that or Don was Keoghan, Har- yeah. Keoghan twice point, two punches in the face for no reason at all like I mean it was Keoghan that had gotten some sort of a, a shoulder or there was a little bit of argy-bargy and there was no need to do it. Um, that He got sent off. They were gone at that stage. They were seven points down. Sean St. Ledger got a black card for a, a, 
for a, a body check and stopped the man running through and he pleaded innocence and Owen Root got black card as well and her discipline just completely went we obviously know that uh, Brendan Murphy was gone and Poacher and Turlock O'Brien were gone as well so like I mean it's not a good reflection on their kind of setup. And especially when you see Poacher coming out after the game and he had he had no input into the game at all because he was suspended. But he made sure to do some media afterwards. And he, jeez, it was like David Brent. Like, I mean, it, it, it just, like, I mean, listen to this. There was probably more media coverage about our suspension than there was about any suspension in the history of the GEA, which is phenomenal for a Division 4 team. Just think about that. What media attention? They appealed, I, I don't really remember They, any, they, they appealed it twice and that was reported. I don't remember any media attention outside of that. If you don't want media attention, then take your ban like a man because we all saw the video. Then try to blame Leash for leaking the video. Sure, how will Leash get that video? I'll admit, I don't have no idea. The thing about this is, these, listen, here's, here's another quote. It's phenomenal that we would generate that interest, but maybe we ruffled a few feathers last year and people didn't, didn't obviously enjoy that. So this fella has it in his head that he got a very harsh treatment because people were annoyed about Carlo winning a game or two. Is this lad living in, in a cloud cuckoo? Leash couldn't give a shit about Carlo. Leash have beaten Carlo four times in the last two years. They, they, they never looked in trouble in any of those four games. Like, is this lad living in a dream world that Leash going for promotion and Carlo going for relegation, that Leash are going to leak a video on the week of that game to try and rattle Carlo? Like, does he, t- who does he think, <laughs> what does he think is going on here? Uh, look, I don't know. Well, look, all I can say is that the notion that, um, that there's an anti-Carlo bias is, it, that's beyond belief yeah. to me. Blame the rule. He blamed, he blamed the rule. He blamed referees. He blamed Leash. He blamed the wider GA community for them ruffling feathers and he blamed media coverage. And not once did he accept that they shouldn't surround a referee and Turlock shouldn't run onto the field and incite a situation where two supporters came in and one, one went to hit the referee. Like, now, seriously now, because this is bullshit and how anyone even puts a microphone in front of that lad's mouth, I, I have no clue. Well, look, he does a lot of talking for a coach that's involved in an inter-county setup. There's very few do as much um, media work. That's grand. Um, I just don't really understand it. I mean, if you if you get a suspension, you if you want to appeal it, surely you want to have grounds for your appeal. If there's no, like otherwise accept it and move on. Yeah, it's it's unnecessary talk. It's a distraction from the group. It's self-serving. Um, I don't see the basis for it. And, and, if he and also, yeah. look, the notion that, that there was uh, anything, like if anything, people were delighted that Carlo beat Kallaire last year and it was a real feel-good story and people are delighted to see Carlo doing well. Yeah, but, it just, but It's an insight into the psychology of what he's no, pumping the, into the minds the of these Carlo is, players. The, but the problem is that it, there, he's taken it something very personally. Carlo play a certain style of football. Most people don't like to look at that. It worked reasonably well for Carlo last year. It's not working for them this year. So when it works for you, yeah, I suppose get the credit for it. You say it's not pretty, but it works. It's effective. When it's not working, you have to take it on the chin and say it's not working. It's not pretty and it's not working. So like you can't have all the credit and then take none of the blame. No. So well, these David it Brent has to be a bit char- more balanced yeah, than these, that. Now. These David Brent type characters they don't seem to see the other side of it and like I mean if your whole management team has the attitude he has towards that suspension well is there any is there any surprise that Sean Murphy hits uh, Kyogen two punches and then Sean Sa- or Daniel St. Ledger 
gets a black card you know what I mean and then they won't take responsibility for that and that's a whole culture within a squad you know what I mean that's, yeah, that's, no, I, I understand that there's, there's, the there's, there's a wider point to it maybe that um, possibly has an impact but look it's very difficult to say I don't know what their disciplinary record was like throughout the league campaign or, or even last year I can't really remember but nonetheless I, I just think it's, it's, it's unseemly all this sort of uh, appealing bans and stuff like that I mean Look, it is what it is. If you get if you get a suspension, it's generally merited. I leave you with this last quote from him without any comment. It's absolutely insane. The rules are ridiculous. The problem is that referees are now writing the rule in the report, so you have no way out. We'll be back in part two. <laughs> I said we have a game there about half three. If you, <laughs> if you, if you wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind joining us. <laughs> didn't even start like. Didn't even go for the back. Took his line. Took his extra five minutes. It was like it was like the snooze button. Hit the hit the snooze button for another five minutes. Rolled out of bed. One seven that day. So let's start off with Ross Common's style of play. So Peter Canavan showed it perfectly on Sky um, on Saturday night. So like, I mean, it's a pretty modern setup. You're a two-man full forward line, which is grand. Then you have Cahill Craig standing out in front of the two of them. And this is always a problem I have. And this is a problem with Westmead and Leash yesterday in that they play two men up front and then there's a huge disconnect. So Ross Common always had that out ball right and left of Craig. Right, so like I mean, there was always a kick pass on. If you don't have that out ball, now obviously Mayo not playing a sweeper helped that. But in fairness, usually the sweeper would have stood behind Craig anyways, marking the two. So that out ball right and left of him, and we've championed this all last year. You have to have that linkman. Now I'd play two linkmen. Amount of ball caught Craig won early before Lee Keegan went on him left and right. It's a really difficult role that because you have to constantly yeah, make very runs. Very hard. Very hard. But you've, if you've got pace, it's an easy role because you've got so much space left and right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and you make it so much easier on the, the players coming out the field. Right. We don't have to work this through the hands with Mayo's uh, press. We have an option and there's a huge margin of error left and right of Craig and it's up to him to get, to get free and let's stick it down on, onto each wing isn't that and again I, I will talk about Leisha Westmead in a while constantly the kick was not on to the two men that were being covered by sweepers and constantly they had to work the ball up through the hand giving the other team enough time to get back 13 behind the ball both teams whole game with this same shit no kick pass on and I'll talk about them allowing the other team play with a sweeper with a gale force wind is just mind numbingly stupid but like such something small like that Roscommon defending in numbers but able to get that ball down there with a kick pass great to watch we saw contests and like I mean it seems to me like a no brainer Yeah well look Roscommon have quality up front and what they made sure was even though they were getting bodies back and blocking up um, making it difficult for Mayo to break them down um, they carried a threat and that's what you have to do to keep to keep the other team somewhat honest because um, otherwise it's just back to the wall stuff for the whole game and you, you can't get out because there's too many bodies there so having that link as you say is just ideal because it can be popped over the cover over then, midfield yeah, it's it really be, bouncing past midfield yeah, that, that's exactly it. it's about just getting you 40 metres further up the pitch so that when your link man gets it and then he maybe offloads it can be delivered 
to the danger zone. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, that that definitely, like, people talk about, I was reading Aidan O'Rourke on the RTE website and he was complaining about Mayo and not doubling up on Connor Cox. And I can see his point, but at the same time, like, he, I think he was trying to promote them having a sweeper back there. That's not James Horne's philosophy, right? So James Horne is an attacking manager. Like, for example, Klopp or Pep Guardiola, they like high presses they don't like to lose a player from that high press by going back to sweep or else you're only having two lads and the press is not effective if, yeah, you, it doesn't take, work. if you take a man out yeah, of it, it to work. sweep it doesn't work and I'm, I'm sick of seeing teams Leash and Westmead again the same thing trying to press with one man down up there and trying to press kickouts it's not going to work they'll tap into the cornerback they have a man over they could easily use their goalie to have two men over and they're getting up there so you've wasted your time you'd be well off doing what Carlo or Fermanna do yeah. and the press has to be with everybody like I mean and you have to do that but that's what Mayo do that's why they're so exciting to watch yes they leave themselves vulnerable behind Barcelona leave themselves vulnerable because they're an attacking team you can't criticise them for that that's they're 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 taking that risk with the added advantage of what they're going to gain on the other side and they, they did 17 points and 16 wides yeah. like Mayo should have won this game oh yeah they absolutely should have won the game I mean individual errors cost Mayo the match it's as simple as that you can point to uh, how they were exposed in certain situations at the back but they they put faith in their defenders one on one in general it's not too bad um, I mean look at Ross Commons Ross Common's first goal was poor defending from Keith Higgins. He was caught wrong side, and Chris With Barrett, Barrett and Chris Barrett, Barrett. Did, didn't yeah. cut off the danger. So that's we spoke about this. That's just bad decision making from individual defenders. Yeah, that's not a syst- systemic problem. Yeah, it was a great run. It must have been Glennon there that made that run and got out of there. But it's good fairness, attacking play. It's it's, it's yeah, kind of naive defensively. It play. is when you make that run to get out of there. It's very rare your man will come with you for very that run. Rare. I couldn't believe Chris Barrett because this is this is defending when I was a back. This is when it was always man on man. Yeah. And this was a decoy run. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't know like I don't know have sweepers messed this up or not, but that even though Mayo played with a sweeper for a while under Rochford, but I don't know if now because you have a sweeper to cover you're just going with your man yeah. stupidly because years ago 10 years ago you, Chris Barrett wouldn't have no, done no. that maybe look good defending in that particular situation would have meant Chris Barrett uh, blocked off the goals maybe it's recycled to Glennon who kicks a point yeah and you say good attack and play yeah. by Ross Common Barrett did well to cover it his man got a score but he he did he made the right defensive decision like putting a load of defenders back there yeah, grand. That that might stop that. But it means the opposition have the ball free for every kick out. The reason Mayo got themselves into the game and dominated a lot of the game was because they pressed up bodies yeah. and they dominated the middle third for large parts of the game. Yeah. Now, sometimes the opposition get a tap down and they break on you. And you maybe have you, you don't have cover and they might get a score on the count, on on the counter. But you're you're like Horn is accepting that as a risk. Yeah, exactly. But he's saying we're going to dominate for more of the game. We're going to press up high because this suits my players. This is the way we want to play. And they had thirty-two shots on goal. They should have won the game. Yeah, like they were they were the more dominant team. They just they just missed too many chances. Like even if you look at it, Ross, the the contrast between the two goalkeepers, Henley uh, went short, caused the goal. Um, Ross Common, even though they weren't winning in the middle of the field, kept going long when when there was when there was a risk of a short. Free taking, Henley missed three or four, and the Ross Common goalkeeper, I think Gavin, yeah. got got three out of his four. 
O'Malley. Or, sorry, O'Malley. So that's not, again, that's not necessarily a huge criticism of Henley, but there's, there's just decisions on the field from two goalkeepers that directly influence the final result. Why is Henley going short at all? At all? When there is a, I, d- I a have no idea and obvious domination for me. I have not, no not idea. Ju- this is not just an advantage. This is a domination where Roscommon are terrified of that kick-out. We've talked about this before. This is just goalies trying to show an array of kick-outs. I'm convinced of it because there's no logic to that. There's no logic to it. None. Absolutely not. So in the Carlo game, one of the good things Carlo did early, Mead had a big press, aggressive press, and their goalkeeper went straight up the middle. And um, it was their full forward... Um, Oh, Dara Foley, yeah, Foley who yeah. caught the ball and immediately turned and tried to move it on we've seen this from Carlo before and it was half blocked down and I was like oh that's interesting I must keep my eye out for this and he had an, he kicked out the ball I don't know how many times for the rest of the first half and I didn't see that kick out again yeah. like isn't that weird he was tapping it to the corner backs yeah look oh, I don't get it I, don't, I just don't get it I really I think it's it's a it's a disease that is set into goalkeepers that they have to go to this corner back and and when when you're doing that and conceding a goal, when you've Aidan O'Shea and Ruan, who are a completely dominating midfield, you have to factor in the conditions and and everything like that. It's just too much of a it's too much of a risk in those scenarios. If it's if it's very much on or there's a pocket of space to hit, but I mean the the one that Henley went for was exceptionally difficult. Yeah, you had Harrison moving across the across the line of the goals. It's played central. Even if that was Harrison moving out to the corner and he plays it to the corner and it goes over the sideline or it gets intercepted maybe wider on the field, um, you can kind of say, OK, look, there, he, he calculated that. It was less of a risk. He wasn't kind of going central. But when you play one short down the middle, and so many teams try it now, they try to leave maybe the full-back free or the centre-back free, so that you, you you move up to position and you mark everybody and you leave maybe one option for the keeper. And it's a sort of a half an option where you t- where the keeper's looking at it going, oh, he's on here. Yeah. But all the players on the opposition team are waiting it's for the ball trap, to be yeah. kicked to this man. They're setting the trap and four men can converge. And the best place to do that press is in the centre of the field because the reward is so much greater. Because if you turn it over, it's a goal. If you don't turn it over... Worst case scenario, it's back to the keeper or it's out to the corner back and there's no threat. Yeah, no, that's it, exactly. Like, I mean, you, you remember Port Leash talking last year where they would offer the corner back a little bit um, and I saw Leash doing that a lot yesterday. So, like, I mean, if they go to the corner back, you shepherd them down the wing and someone will close them off there. And if he doesn't go to the corner back, we have zoned in on somebody that might be getting it in the middle. So yeah. you often see in a lot of games, cornerbacks going right to the wings, but they're never marked. Now, like I said, or, or if the, it goes... Or, or the homework is done on the opposition and you pick the worst ball player in the opposition and you leave him free. Yeah. No, it's exactly... My, my theory on it is if there's a full court press, do never go short. That's oh, what, Do yeah. not go short. On those occasions where everyone is being marked out zonally and the opposition has got up, then go long. I don't care if your midfield is shite. That's too risky. Now, there's loads of occasions in a game after points from play where there'll be a quick kick out going on and there'll be loads of space. Absolutely go for it then, a quick restart. Get out quick with your ball, put it down, get it out. But when the press is on, and the press can only come on after set play is a good one, then just go along with every one of them. Don't mess around with those ones, it's too risky. So I don't know why they always do that. Your man Andrew Glennon, I thought, was very hard done by getting taken off at half time. He set up the goal and he scored a point. Yeah, I thought he was so good, yeah. Now they wanted to get Dermot Murta on. And, like, I mean, you have to give Ross Common a lot of credit in that, like, we theorise about tactics a lot on the show here. And obviously, 
if Mayo are pressing all over the field the long ball is on because even in the second half it seemed to be a two man full forward line rather than that link man and they were just getting it on in there yeah. like I mean which they deserve a lot of credit for that because that did contribute to such a great exciting game and I know it seems so simple but a lot of teams don't even do that including Leash and Westmead yesterday Yeah look Roscommon left enough men up the field to be a threat the forwards that they had up there are quality and they got a couple of spectacular scores to just get themselves over the line against a Mayo team who dominated more of the game and, and missed their chances. Yeah. Like, Mayo were a stronger team than Roscommon. They dominated more of the game, but because Roscommon carried the threat and because there was a very poor decision from the Mayo goalkeeper, Mayo lost the game. Yeah. And we can analyse all the tactics we want, but individual talent up front from Roscommon and leaving them up there to, to carry that threat was was one major tactical move despite because it's all defensive tactics we talk about all yeah. the time and getting cover back and all this sort of stuff but nonetheless even though Mayo didn't do that and left themselves one on one they still should have won the game like yeah. so y- y- the tactics give you can give you some chance in a game but it will always come down to skill execution always come down to skill execution and quality of players on the field on, that night, on, yeah. the, on the given and night it was funny like I mean Lee Keegan into the goalie's hands you know at the end and then a terrible hand pass to Andy Moran which resulted in a turnover did that result in Andy well, Moran like, getting the black card like, like there, it, these the, are your leaders that you yeah like there, there's the ones that I've no, apart from Henley's miss freeze Keegan dropping one short Dermot O'Connor's left footed miss for a goal chance oh, yeah. in the first half was a woeful effort McLaughlin free at the end um, and Andy Moran's blocked and he shouldn't have been shooting that shot wasn't on he no. was always going to be blocked and that that, led, you know, to Craig's that led to Craig's point. Yeah, so like, I mean, that was a big talk. And then you contrast that with the quality of some of the other scores. Durkin kicked a brilliant score from the right wing. Boland kicked a couple of brilliant scores. Um, and then for us, Common, Cox, Craig, like there was yeah. quality was scores Cohen, from Cohen both teams. was on fire, absolute oh, quality. Oh, Darren Cohen, yeah, it was unbelievable as well. And him getting taken off was a big, big surprise. I don't know why they took him off. But here's Cottle Craig talking after the match. He says, maybe years in the past we would have we would have gave up on things when... Uh, when things were going against us and we would have conceded goals I suppose the defensive side of things he has really shored that up he's talking about Anthony Cunningham he just gave us belief to really maximise what we have in the squad like isn't the, the this defensive thing is very interesting in that he's getting credited for fixing their defence they had the worst they had the worst uh, defensive record in the whole of Division 1 and across the whole league outside of Sligo they conceded 17 and 16 wides. It's a weird defensive system as in their body's back. It's still not a great defensive system but again, if you're leaving three up with a link man for the two, you're not defending with, you're losing two which a lot of teams yeah, well would like, do. But they maybe, could, they could limit goal it. chances they, was the, t- is the yeah, thing. They're I, trying I, to avoid goals. I think they're trying to avoid conceding goals as, as much as possible. But there's always, a, there's always an offset. If you drop bodies back, you're, you steal from your attack. Yeah. If you steal too many from your attack, you have nothing up front, but you're going to be probably very solid at the back. Yeah, it looked like they got so a yeah, good balance. Yeah, they had a reasonable balance on the day, and they had quality, quality up front and brilliant score taking on the night. You know, if if Cox and Craig and these guys up front and Murtha and Enda Smith when he came on kicked a lovely score. I mean, if they're delivering that sort of quality finishing, you're staying in a lot of games because even on the counter attack, even with limited supply. They were scoring brilliantly on the counter. Yeah, they were. Did they? And they, I think they had, I was reading a stat in RT, they had 26 shots from 30 attacks, which is a, 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 a it's, incredible it's stat. Good, yeah. Very good. And like I said, they only had three. So their, their bench came on and made a huge impact. But like their bench is incredible. Dermot Murta, Enda Smith, 
Donny Smith, Conor Devaney, Brian Stack, Fintan Craig. All of them were starters last year in the Connacht final. They all made an impact. And maybe Cunningham, like I'm Enda Smith's his captain, I presume he's coming back in. He broke his finger. Like, I mean, he has to start. Like, but like maybe if he's leaving, uh, Dermot Murta has to start too, right? There too. But maybe if he wants to leave Donny Smith, Conor Devaney, Brian Stack, Fintan Craig on the bench to give them that little lift. And they all, all of those players, Donny Smith, Conor Devaney, Fintan Craig are all quality score takers that can influence a game when they come on. And maybe he wants to maybe pick. He's um, picking more physical yeah, players. Like yeah, Dar- like in his like defence, certainly. Yeah, Darcy, Ulton Harney playing in the forwards, but going out around midfield, and just a bit more physicality and Caloran in midfield, and and the three dailies at the back who weren't there last yeah. year, and they're physical fellas. We know what they're all about. Like I mean, even James Horan referenced them in the lead up to the game that they're going to be physical because they're known for that. Um, Hussey at centre back. This is the this is what he's going for now. You know, he's going for that more physical team rather than maybe the lighter, fancier football and team than we saw last year that didn't get them very far yeah no look it's it's worked out for them on the night there they, like because of the quality they have and they were probably unlucky in some of their league games but they, they were I think they were developing and learning all the time and Cunningham was getting to know his players a bit better and the kind of the guys that he'd want in the battle in a, in a, in a wet night in Castlebar um, and the dailies yeah. the dailies are a huge addition I mean their physicality their athleticism and they're just so solid on, in possession. It, more often than not, made a couple of made a couple of errors between them. But yeah, at the same time, point or two yeah, there. at the same time, they they contributed hugely to to the Ross Common victory. And to, to have quality like that coming back into your panel is sure it's massive. Like yeah, it's massive. There's no doubt about that. So fantastic stuff from Ross Common. But again, it's not all doom and gloom for Mayo. Although they have got failings, we said that forward line wouldn't be good enough. And as it proved out, it wasn't good enough. Although Killian O'Connor missing is a Killian huge loss. Darren Cohen looks like he's a definite option on the positive side Kevin McLaughlin needs to go back out to the half forward line you know um, Aidan O'Shea potentially back into the forward line and I think uh, uh, Mayo they're not done yet they should make Super 8 I don't think it's all doom and gloom but it's definitely a kick in the arse for them because there's no way they wanted to go down this route definitely not um, especially after how well the league went so Leash Westmead 12-10 to Leash Westmead only scored four points from playing the entire game. Westmead were in a huge uh, disappointment. Very, very defensive team. Um, played it very, very defensively with the wind and against the wind. Now, you could understand they started a defender in their forwards and played with a seventh defender, freed up James Dolan as the sweeper. No big surprises there. We kind of knew that. He was the sweeper in the league. Really disappointingly, Leash, because Leash play a kicking game. They had Colin Murphy in there, Paul Kingston, and they had Evan O'Carroll and they were left inside right for the whole of the first half they had a three man full forward line which is grand now they had low link man the whole half forward line and the three lads pretty much played as a full forward line and that's silly because that, the obvious thing is to play one out in front right and left and that, that space was on because James Dolan was covering the three of them when they were in behind James Dolan immediately tactically that was wrong Colin Begley was Leisha's sweeper now the wind was so strong Keen, that the wind was as good as two extra defenders to you so there's no need for you to pick a third. Begley can play half forward, push him right up on Dolan. A couple of times Dolan come up the field late because Leash had paired off on Westmead. Colin Begley comes out to meet him. He's flat-footed. Dolan's coming at him. And I'm just thinking, why the hell is Begley not, tag- not up on him on the other side of the field? Because the wind, like I said, the wind was so strong. Impossible for Westmead to get up the other end of the field with a kick pass 
to reach their full forward line. It was just impossible. And I think maybe because Leash had lost to Westmead twice this year, they were a little bit afraid and conservative. It's not like Leash because they tried to force then kick passes, right? Paul Kingston got two amazing scores in the yeah, first two half. Two unbelievable points. Evan O'Carroll kicked a See where they well, both got yeah. the balls. They yeah. got them on the sideline because Dolan was covering the middle. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you have that really good full forward line. Poor young Murphy, who was, I think that was his debut, never got a kick because he was playing in the middle. And the lads were breaking maybe to the wings. And I was thinking, if you want to play a kick pass, which is what Leash wanted, you have that huge advantage of a gale force wind. You have to take Dolan out of play. You yeah. just have to. It's criminal not taking Dolan out of play. Yeah, well, I, I think whatever about, uh, you know, leaving Begley back, you can understand uh, Leash being a little bit conservative after losing to them and being caught with kind of Westmead's powerful runners on the break, particularly in the league final, that maybe they're, they're being a bit cagey. I can, I can get yeah, that. But with that wind, I would accept I that. I know, but, but even, even what I would say is, even outnumbered, if you have three guys in there, the first runner needs to come out and... and Occupy this sweeper. Yeah. That's always the thing that you say. Yeah. Even if you only had two forwards in there against one three, would men, occupy one man needs to occupy the sweeper. Sometimes that means you just move out and you almost mark the sweeper out beside him, stand yeah. where he is, or that you make sure that every time you make a run, it's really eye catching for the sweeper. You're never really looking for the ball, but you're making that run really hard, making a load of noise so that you drag the sweeper even five ten yards. Just do something to move him so that he takes his eye off the guys inside, and and then that's how they get the opportunity. So. From from Leash's perspective, that's something that they could have done a bit better. Yeah, really, it was, and they didn't. Leash never pushed Begley up for kickouts, so they tried to split this Westmead kickout, which was a waste of time because Westmead were getting it away. They never intercepted. And, and any playing of with such a strong breeze, that you would think that that's flawed. Really, that's the thing. And like Mead against Carlo, Mead have a brilliant press. You talked about that before. They really have an aggressive press, and they come yeah. alive. When, at when, this. when they do it, when particularly Mead, who have seen a lot of this year, when they really do that press, they're excellent. What sometimes what happens is. They don't do it fully. They still they leave someone sitting in the half back line. Well, then you're not and pressing. And then you can't do it. Then you're not and pressing. And, and what they did against Offaly, which was a massive problem the last day for Mead, was that they always held that man back in the half back. But then it's not a press. So it wasn't. So Offaly, Offaly won all of their own kickouts, which contributed to Mead not being in the game because they, they didn't have the ball enough. Yeah, yeah. They need to learn that. It's not a press if you're leaving one man back. It's no. just not. It's no. just not. Because you can only split so much and the goalkeeper will get one, will get it away because the, they're, they're, the cornerbacks are making it so wide that the split between, say, the full-back and the cornerback is so wide that the fella doesn't know what to do. He'll stand maybe closer to the full-back and offer the cornerback, which is the right thing to do, but you're still getting it off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I mean, it's not a press. Westmead, in the second half, pressed the leash kick out with everybody, but only in the second half of the half when they were really desperate. They left Heslin inside in his own, um, I think, with young O'Toole. And um, it is O'Toole, isn't it, your man from uh, Heslin's club? Yeah. And uh, 70 yards of space between the two of them. And Leash with a man covering the two of them. So it was a complete waste of time for Westmead. Westmead would turn Leash over. There was so many turnovers in this game. It was such a low-quality game. But... Leash. And that's that's also t- to my mind again. It's strange. Heslin is a brilliant long range uh, yeah. score taker. I would have thought with the breeze, you you bring Heslin out and you play him at centre forward, wing forward, yeah. midfield. You get him on. You even play him half back or something. You get him on the ball moving forward, unmarked, and he'll kick points from fifty, sixty meters. They moved him around a lot. He st- he was in for the throw in and got a point straight from the throw in in the second half. Then he was in the full forward line. The thing about these two lads in a full forward line two man full forward line a huge space between them and a sweeper covering them so Westmead turn Leash over or Leash give away the ball which happened right throughout the game Westmead look up 
Should I kick past this and on to these lads? So now they have to work it through the hands. So they're throwing it over, back, and they're all the time Leash are filtering back, 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 back. By the time Westmead get to Leash 45, Leash have 13 men back behind the ball. Some t- 13, leaving one forward up. What's the point in Westmead having an advantage of a wind if they're playing like this? Yeah. They continue this keen right throughout the second half, completely played into Leash's hands, backed off Leash then, instead of pressing them really hard. Leash, the amount of time in the second half Leash wasted by just playing it over and back in front of the... In front of the the screen and at, at, there's at times they went back to the sweeper and back to Brody and started all over again Yeah. and this is when Westmead had to try and get back a uh, lead ah, yeah, well, look, just to like watch we say, it it was the, just like oh my god yeah, well, like, you have to accept sometimes that you are going to leave gaps in your defence if you want to press onto the opposition and get the ball back with I mean, the, but with a gale force yeah. win the threat is the threat, tiny it is well it's, it's much reduced because basically all you have to do is track runners so if you if you have an honest team and they track their runners and they do their jobs, you're, you're fairly, the opposition are fairly limited in how they can hurt you yeah. because the scoring zone is so small. You have ample opportunity if you press right up, you have loads of time to get back. Loads of time to get back if your team are honest and hardworking. Yeah. I think that if you just leave guys sitting back there, it's a waste of time. It's kind of cheating in some respects. It is. It, it in terms of making life easy on, even on your own team. I'd say Leash could not believe it. Like Leash were throwing the ball around in the second half against that wind out around midfield with no pressure on them over back over back imagine if they were being pressed man for man you'd be like oh shit who am I going to give it to you, you could you could end up just hand passing it away yeah. because there's nothing on when you're facing a gale force wind a man slapping at you oh, yeah, and then, and 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 then skill you look, level is difficult to, yeah. even with the breeze anyway to but, control but it but you yeah. look up you finally get to sidestep this fella so he's coming after you and he's tackling you and you're like I need to give this on and you look up and everyone's paired off being marked you're snookered yeah Whereas if these lads are all dropping off and you should all you do is ship it back to someone behind you. Like, you can't believe your luck. Leash could not believe their luck in the second half. But anyways, Westmead got what they deserved, um, which was, you know, a loss on a day that they didn't do enough um, to win the game. Right, we'll come back with Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay that's great advice yeah it was <laughs> for you Okay, so we'll start Paddy Power Performance of the Weekend with Connor Cox. I'm a big fan of Connor Cox. Now, I'd say there's a, there's a day where Connor Cox go out in the field and his shooting boots aren't on and he would drive you insane. He's like, stop shooting from two... Ma- <laughs> Talk about a confident player. He reminds me of Bernard Brogan before Pat Grilroy got his hand on them. Yeah, Bernard Brogan. A shot merchant. A shot merchant yeah. and I'm getting my shot away. Now, left or right, he is that accurate that I can see why he's like that. And... I suppose To be fair it is his job in the team probably It as is well, his yeah. job as a scorer and to be fair you know in the modern game that if you have a one-on-one you need to throw a sidestep yeah, inside and do, get your shot yeah, off It doesn't last long Or else Aidan O'Shea or Ruan is coming back and you're being doubled up Now I think he got his shots off very very fast every time he scored Like I mean, oh, he well, got The, the, the w- three points he scored were outstanding yeah, the, the one in the second half of his right foot from the wing was, yeah. was a ridiculous point because even Harrison he didn't really get far away from Harrison Harrison almost still had a hand yeah. on him and it was just an unbelievable kick with a defender coming across onto him Now as you say uh, on another day you'd be thinking oh geez, don't shoot you know it's not on but 
it worked for him he backed himself he had the confidence and he has been doing it regularly for Roscommon and probably has done over his career so fair play to him like it was yeah. it was magnificent an outstanding an outstanding yeah. league and one with the left as well so he's got left and right and he's a stocky sort of a player I'd say in that situation with that point Harrison was like oh okay if you want to shoot from there I'll let you like I mean I just don't want you to take me on and uh, like absolutely it. like Harrison didn't do a lot wrong but no. having said that sometimes in those one-on-one situations I mean you see defenders and it's probably just because one-on-ones are so rare he was just he just got too close to too close to a strong player like Cox wasn't going to beat him for pace so by by if he just stood even a half a yard further back off him he's in a position that if Cox goes to shoot he can get in and put him under serious pressure that Cox is going to have to kick it very high Um, but I just think sometimes defenders they rush in they get too close and with a strong guy like Cox he's able to just put the ball under his arm hand off and then he can pull the trigger so look you could question Harrison a little bit there but that would be being ultra harsh it was brilliant play from Cox yeah uh, Paddy McBrearty and Jamie Brennan I'm nearly putting these as a, a as a joint um, uh, nomination Jamie Brennan's got very good at getting the ball in his hands dropping it down his foot and getting a shot away yeah. really fast as well like I mean there's a huge skill in that and I notice him doing this a lot whereas McBrearty will wind up and you know he's going to shoot Brennan's able to receive a hand pass drop it down his foot and control a kick really really fast can't he in tight situations yeah well it was particularly evident the other day um even where he's standing sort of on the back leg we'll say where he's, he's he's standing still he's just after selling a dummy but he can't drive forward because he's driving into the crowd and he clipped two beautiful scores um, his first two scores were excellent the third one he had plenty of time over it but he was he, he actually I would have said Brennan was probably Donegal's best forward when the game was a contest right. there's a few of them kick scores a little bit at their ease when the game was kind at of up but um, he no, he was good he got and he got vital scores from when they probably needed something to just give them a bit of energy and McBrearty got a typical McBrearty point where a he's running in, off, a bomb in yeah. off the left wing and you wonder maybe there's a bit of a Sean Cavanagh about that you know what he's going to do but it must be very hard to stop him because you'd imagine if you've that many zonal players back that the minute you see McBrearty coming in off that yeah. left thing that he's he just so powerful over the first five yards that if he when he receives the pass he just accelerates those two three metres and then he and he, he, he really pulls the trigger and pulls it hard and the, the, the trajectory of his shot is quite high so it's very difficult. I mean, to to block him, you need to be right on top of him. So, look at that's that's why he's as good as he is. And it was a it was a huge boost for Donegal to get him and for him to get so much game time as well. You know, leading into Tyrone. Yeah, Carl Craig, I think, was outstanding. Well, then Lee Keegan quieting him down, but his goal was absolutely beautiful to identify that and and went away from Keith Higgins for pace, which I was very yeah, surprised about. Very but, powerful. But punted the goal. Yeah, uh, unusual te- enough. Technically difficult. It, it got there. Got there. It was like Paddy O'Shea back in the 1980s. It was yeah. a beautiful punted goal, and it was out of nothing. And let's be honest, that was a moment of brilliance that won the game for us. Oh, because yeah, that crucial. was the difference. The a other, the score, other goal yeah. came from a, a mistake from Mayo, but this was Cottle Craig at his age taking on that responsibility early identifying that Higgins you know was there in a one on one going past him was helped obviously by the decoy run that Barrett fell for so I'd say when he saw Barrett in front of him he was thinking there's no goal on here yet and then suddenly here there is a goal on it and he just punted it in Yeah it just opened up for him because I'd say he'd back his strength against Higgins put the ball under his arm and, and shrugged him off and and I'd say then when he took the solo and realised there was no cover defender he was thinking okay one more play here and it's in the net and Look at the role he was playing in that position. 
he was always going to tire out of yeah, the game yeah. I, and, I, I, and, and it yeah. needed fresh legs when it did and in fairness Keegan is just uh, Keegan is well renowned as a brilliant man marker as well and he was getting a little bit more physical and he's a more determined man marker than Higgins is Higgins is a little bit looser tries to maybe anticipate where the ball is going whereas Keegan Keegan doesn't really do that he just marks the man Yeah I think Canavan caught or on his analysis showed Higgins was completely ball watching which at this at this level is unusual like he was just just caught you know yeah he was because he was caught because he was completely wrong side because if you look at the goal I mean the the ball was in the Roscommon left half back position the only place you have to stand that side he should have been that side of the field so he did just get caught but again his starting position was uh, sort of on the on the offensive side from a male perspective Perspective. Maybe if, if if something broke over the top, but he didn't get back into the cover position quick enough, and yeah. that, was, that was all it was. It was, and that, look, he was punished severely. A, a forward of lesser quality wouldn't have been able to do what. Oh no, what uh, what Craig did? No, definitely not. And it's always like I've played enough at centre forward and wing forward to know that wing backs always stand at that side of the field because the natural thing for you to do is run towards the wing because everybody wants to kick the ball up the wing. And I'm always trying to say now that you're better off get a, go on the wing and break infield and let the ball. It's it's as easy kick it infield as it is down the wing, and you're completely tricking out the the wing back. But Craig didn't even have to do that at that level of football. Craig just made the obvious run towards the wing and got about five yeah, yards like, of uh, five think, yards of space. I think if you were to do a comparison, if Keen O'Sullivan say was in that position, Keen you're not getting that ball. Keen O'Sullivan wouldn't have. Keen O'Sullivan number one would have been goal side. Yeah. So. Worst case scenario, you win the ball out in the wing and he's in front of you. That that's what happens. You know, he doesn't take chances. He just does to good the good defensive thing. He doesn't overcommit to try and win the ball first time. He he he's a cautious defender. But that's what good defenders do. They they anticipate what's going to be the worst thing that could happen here. And the worst thing is always a goal. Yeah, no, exactly. Right, okay, from Leash then you had Garrett Dillon who was outstanding whole game Evan O'Carroll got 8 points uh, 3 from play 3 really good ones from play and a really important one in the second half but I think Garrett Dillon was probably the best man on the field Dennis Boot very good for Leash as well Colin Begley uh, John O'Loughlin battled well in midfield and Kieran Lillis Leash had some good performance but again the standard of play God almighty it was really really t- it was really really tough Darren Cohen I wanted to talk about him because I'm wondering is he a find for the, for the Mayo team where has he been up until now and if he can kick points like that and it wasn't just the points he got up for one and I think he just palmed it down to was it Kevin McLaughlin going past him and I was just thinking that was a really smart thing to do um, his five points were outstanding seems to be a good target man like he's proper, uh, he's a proper he's target a man size, yeah. where has he been like I mean maybe this like we've all had games yeah. where we've scored four he's, or five he's, prob- he's probably just been held held out of the team by Andy Moore and, and, and Killian O'Connor yeah. you know that's just it's difficult with players of that quality ahead of you Um he hasn't had a huge amount of opportunity he's played some league games and in fairness he hasn't played as well as he did the other night in a lot of those league games so he's sort of missed those chances that were going over the bar from the other day um, oftentimes narrowly sometimes missing them quite badly you know by a long distance because he because he really puts a lot of power into his shots um, he's not shy at shooting for someone who's not no, and, and guaranteed look, a starter maybe that's maybe that's part of the reason as to why he hasn't just made it you know he wasn't his conversion rate probably just wasn't high enough yeah maybe that confidence will do him the world of good and if they could get him as number 14 um, they definitely have a decent dynamic in there Killian O'Connor just simply has to come back in there's nothing sends panic through a team like not having a free taker isn't there not like I mean it's just simple as that it's just like what is the Even point for the opposition it's a, it's sort of I, I think as a as an, a as an opposing team you can you can be a little bit more aggressive like it, there's a bit of a fear sometimes if you're playing against a, a guy who you know 
he's going to score everything every time you give it free away. So you maybe you're not as aggressive maybe in your tackle, which can give give players a little opportunity. Yeah, James McGivney, who's top class player as we know, um, his points that were shown on the the highlights last night. Typical James McGivney, long range points, and like I mean, the wind was so long or so strong that I was surprised we didn't see like 12-10 in that first match I just I just can't stop going on about it Keane like yeah. to, to, the way the both of them used the wind was absolutely horrific and then obviously Kildare and Longford uh, was more of an orthodox game like I mean a Longford deserved credit for that as the underdog to not be coming out trying maybe packing the defence but James McGivney got four from play and he hit the post at the very end to win it for them where Longford had two chances didn't they they did a yeah, slight goal chance yeah. and then that big long one one at the end of normal time and one at the end of extra yeah, time you'd yeah. put your money on him like you know and uh, that would have been a really famous win but he's a really really good player so I'm not sure who to give performance of the weekend to I suppose oh yeah well sure look it has to go to Connor Cox he got three points right out of the top drawer and Mark and Harrison who you don't often see Harrison being taken from points for play like that he's a brilliant defender no three from play off Harrison is fair going it's fair going yeah. fair going on a wet night like that especially you know maybe where we talked tactically about why he was getting a little bit more ball obviously Mayo didn't play a man full time in behind him but we've explained why that was the reason and uh, you, that's you, not if a if criticism if you, ha- if you have an all star defender why do you want a sweeper in front of him exactly. that's the other thing you wouldn't do it at club level you'd say you win your battle now and get on with the game exactly right okay we're making a case for no sweepers and maybe ever <laughs> <laughs> this is from two men who played on the full forward line right listen we leave it there we we'll back on Thursday with a preview show what's on next week our Mac Havan I think is the big one next week um, Ulster semi-final yeah that's on Sunday that's on Sunday right we'll talk to you then good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.